Remembering a Buckeye legend gone too soon. This is the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance along with Johnny Ginner. Johnny, you know, I hate leading with such a sad story, but it really is the biggest thing to happen in Buckeye Nation this week. The passing of Ohio State quarterback Dwayne Haskins, late of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, a, a tragic situation, 24 years old in the prime of life. And the details of what happened are sketchy at best, but suffice it to say, one of the great all-time quarterbacks to come through program history has gone way too soon. I, I think it's hard to understate what Dwayne Haskins, based on the outpouring of emotion from fans, teammates, former players, coaches, uh, what Dwayne Haskins meant to Ohio State. It, it's hard to understate that, I think. One of the things about all this, aside from being tremendously, ridiculously sad, is it also kind of makes me reflect on how quickly, you know, college football can change and sometimes for the better. And I, I think Dwayne Haskins legacy, what we'll remember of him is how much he was able to accomplish in transforming not just the quarterback position at Ohio state, but I think maybe how Ohio state views itself in the college football landscape. Like he had a tremendous impact um, and a really interesting and I think kind of groundbreaking way and I, I hope people, you know, when they think about this guy and, and what he did, not don't just remember the fact that, you know, he's gone too soon, but the fact that he made an incredibly huge impact on Ohio State football and left a really, really awesome legacy that I, I want to talk about a little bit because I know other people have gotten into, you know, what this means to them and whatnot. But like sometimes it feels that in this era of college football, we don't take the time to really reflect on how much a certain player might mean. Um, and obviously as a human being, like there's no comparing that. Right. I mean, as a, as a human, he means vastly more than a game could mean, but like, I just, I don't know. It, it's unfortunate that we would have this really sad event to cause us to reflect. Um, but I also think it's important to remember what he did because he, that's hopefully, uh, going to be something that we can kind of take with us going forward because he he really did mean a lot uh, to Ohio State football and all the people that were around him. Aside from you know his infectious attitude and, and how much he meant to his teammates and his friends and family, um, I, I think that his legacy uh, as a quarterback will also make a huge impact going forward for a long time. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. The, the part of that that you hit on that I think really you know bears bears repeating this isn't an, an era when and maybe it's because of social media and we overanalyze everything or maybe it's because of social media and people can say whatever they want or do whatever they want there are a lot of characters in the sport of football college and professional both that aren't terribly likable or, or mm -hmm. maybe aren't, aren't people that um, you would have unanimous sort of consensus uh, beloved stature, but the amount of, of emotion that has been expressed about this young man since his passing over the weekend, I, I mean, it's really remarkable. Yes. Sometimes I think it's, you know, whenever someone passes young and tragically, you know, the emotions get amped up a bit, but, but in this case, like the, I mean, it really has been an outpouring to this, to the extent where, uh, you, you've had what a vigil at the stadium, you've had people gathering in remembrance, you know, jerseys on the stadium gates, mm -hmm. uh, they had a member of the band, um, you know, playing the violin outside the rotunda. I just, just a really, I mean, it speaks volumes about the positivity. And in, when you read some of the remembrances from teammates, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, uh, the teammate in Pittsburgh for the past year you talked about, you know, Dwayne never had a bad day, I think was one of the quotes from Roethlisberger's yeah. statement, you know, that he came in um, and, and just the number Chase Claypool's video uh, on, on social media was really hard to watch because of the, the emotions he poured out. So you could tell in, in a relatively short period of time in sports terms, Haskins had had a tremendous impact on that organizations, which, which speaks volumes of, of his personality and character. Mm -hmm. uh, digging into what you said uh, a moment ago, a bit more, the standard that he helped set for Ohio State quarterbacks, really the convergence of Ryan Day and Dwayne Haskins being at Ohio State at the same time, I, I think is there, there was a huge sea change in what a quarterback could and should do in this offense. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a complete change. And the thing is, I actually, I was thinking about this as you were talking about, you know, some of the tributes and, and people made, um, I was thinking about this because one of the ones that really got me as we were going through it and, and people were, you know, posting on Twitter and, and kind of, you know, offering their remembrances, um, Johnny Dixon talking about how, uh, you know, every Friday he, he wrote this on Twitter. He said, every Friday after walkthroughs, Dwayne used to have a pack of Oreos for me on the bus. And, you know, like that small thing that he would do, right. Just to make Johnny Dixon smile every week, like the kind of connection that he had with the guy who played, you know, obviously in a position to, to help him out, you know, at receiver and whatnot. I, th- that's, what's really remarkable to me because then you have a guy who then creates that connection he has that kind of impact on people. And then he goes out on the field and does things that you've never seen an Ohio state quarterback do. And so like, I, to me, it's the whole package. It's everything. It's, it's how people remember him as a human being. And then being able to see that translate, those connections translate between him and his wide receivers and his teammates translate on the field into something just mind bendingly awesome. And so like I was going through some of the, um, the records prior to last season. So before, you know, CJ Stroud took the field, Dwayne Haskins had six of the top 10 passing games in Ohio state history and one season (laughs) and the entirety of Ohio state football, all those games that have been played up until the 2018 season, right? Dwayne Haskins went out and then immediately had 10 of the top, or excuse me, six of the top 10 passing games in the history of Ohio State football in one season. That's That blows my mind. In terms of career passing yards, he's in the top 10 after essentially one full season of football. That, again, that's unbelievable. That is just unbelievable. Guys like Mike Tomzak, right, who are just a few yards ahead of him. Troy Smith, just a few yards ahead of him. This is a guy who, had he been there for two, three years at Ohio State, would just have destroyed every passing record in terms of accuracy, touchdowns thrown. I mean, gosh, 50 touchdowns in a season is mind-boggling. And not only that, and this is the other thing about Dwayne Haskins, not only did he do these insane things, right, and, and, and pass for a trillion yards and just kind of like make it look so unbelievably effortless, but the thing that really blows my mind is it isn't, it wasn't in the context of like a Joe Germain type thing where the entire offense is humming and everybody's on full, you know, all cylinders and everything's going great. He was asked to save Ohio State repeatedly right? Game after game. They didn't win all of those games, right? In Purdue, he had to pass 73 times, which is insane. But like, you know, against Maryland, right? Where Ohio State barely makes it out of that uh, with a win. He had to save that team. And so like, I just, for a guy who was asked to do so much uh, for that season, because really he was, he was the most functional, maybe only real functional part of that offense um they won as much as they did and accomplished as much as they did and win a rose bowl and all that stuff that's that's entirely due to Dwayne Haskins that's that's on him he created that um and so a guy like Justin Fields coming in CJ Stroud lighting it up I don't think any of that happens without Dwayne Haskins I really don't um he completely transformed how we view Ohio state quarterbacks. And again, not to like crap on, you know, JT Barrett. I think JT Barrett was a fantastic, amazing quarterback, but he, he wasn't Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins was capable of doing things. that I don't think anybody in Ohio state football could envision. And Ryan day even said it, you know, he was like, I don't think I'd be the coach without this dude. Um, I don't think people would have bought in to what Ryan day was selling. I agree with like, I, I 1000% agree with that. I I think it was Dwayne Haskins who established all this and he deserves all the credit in the world for being as incredibly amazing as he was in just a very short period of time. Um, so I'm, you know, honestly this week and the past few days, what I've been doing, I've been going back as watching as many highlights as I could. And it's incredible to watch how effortless this guy was and and how he was able to just make some things that we would never have thought possible 10 years ago, just seem incredibly effortless and easy. And it was just, I don't know. It's, it's a, it was an absolute joy to watch him play. And I think that's one of the things that is, is part of the reason maybe there's been the outpouring of, of emotion, remembrance, 
uh, and this tremendous sense of loss from fans and, and teammates and coaches alike, because it was a joy to watch him play football because yeah. he seemed to take great joy in playing the game of football. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you watch, you watch these extremely talented uh, players, coaches, et cetera, and they're extremely good at it and they're extremely talented, but the pressure and the competition and so on, you know, we could be talking about the urban Meyer situation where it just seemed like, or, or, um, uh, Alabama, uh, Nick Saban, you know, that there's just no joy, you know, there right. it was, it's all, it's all the soul crushing grind. And then you watch Dwayne Haskins and it's like, that dude was having fun Yeah, and, and it was fun to watch mind-blowing the records I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because like as i was scanning you know we had a couple different pieces on the site over the weekend talking about the statistical significance of Dwayne haskins mm-hmm. career and and when you look and he's erasing the names of uh records rather held by names like jt barrett joe germain arch leister troy smith you know just going down through the list and, and, and these guys who you know, in many cases, you look at the records of Joe Germani's race, like that wasn't yesterday. Uh, no. you know, I mean, I mean, Troy Smith was, was considering, I mean, he's, you know, Ohio state's most recent Heisman winner, you know, had a, had a tremendous season. Uh, and, and we were talking, you know, just a couple of years ago, about JT Barrett rewrote the record books, big 10 and, and Ohio state rewrote the record books and Haskins comes in a year or two later and resets it again uh, blows just, people out of the water there yeah. was one 400 yard passing game in ohio that's State the history. one that killed me was seeing that one there was one game. and then in one season dwayne haskins has five five like, <laughs> that doesn't and i i know okay well all, different offenses whatever well you got to have a guy who can do it yeah and, but the, but the but the one game the one 400 yard game was arch leister so think about that from arch <laughs> right. leister to dwayne haskins yeah it's we're talking about a generation yeah two or it's like 40 years it's yeah yeah, it's it's bonkers it's absolutely bonkers and so i you know again i don't want to take away from who he was as a human being because that's that's important and and how he meant to other people but i i think again i think it's all wrapped together because you have to have a good leader you have to have somebody who's a good friend and who's a good teammate and who can take care of people around you have to be able to do that if you want to accomplish those things that Dwayne Haskins did and that's kind of what I'm getting at because you don't you don't see that kind of excellence in somebody who is just aloof doesn't get like you you've got to be a quality like teammate to accomplish those kind of things and so that's why I think I don't know man that's why the Johnny Dixon tweet really got to me because I'm like would I be that kind of guy <laughs> given, you know, just sitting like helping people out, just giving a pack of Oreos on the bus, just trying to cheer somebody up. I don't, I don't know. Like sometimes, you know, it, it's hard to be that like considerate sometimes. I don't know. And, and just your regular life, you get busy with other stuff, but then you've got the quarterback being a leader, establishing solid connection with the teammates, lifting people up, throwing for 500 yards. Like that's what I'm saying, man. It's just, he was, Again, a joy to watch play because you were seeing something that you had never seen before and everybody bought into it because it was just cool as hell. And I don't know, man, I, Ohio State football is different. It is different now. And a lot of that's because of Ryan Day, but a lot of that is because of Dwayne Haskins and guys like that who come in and have, through force of will, establish something that i don't think a lot of ohio state fans like said even maybe five years ago would have believed was possible dwayne haskins Um, was a transformational quarterback because if you look at the quarterbacks ohio state had fielded prior to him and in the urban meyer era the latter years of of uh, the jim trestle tenure and so on you're you're looking at what oftentimes people would derisively call the game manager role look at sure yeah look at look at jt barrett you know i i like to think of him more as a field general field marshal than than a game manager but they were asked to make really smart decisions more so than to win the game with tremendous arm talent. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Haskins came in and had this otherworldly arm talent uh, to the point where you have a quarterback of the of the renown of Ben Roethlisberger saying, "I wish I could throw a ball like this guy." Yeah. Um, and and you know, I know people kind of chuckled about that when he first said it, and then he reiterated it Sunday in his remembrance of Haskins. Um, you know, which to me speaks volumes of of the man's arm talent. But but I think you know you don't have Justin Fields and CJ Stroud doing the things they're doing. If you hadn't had Dwayne Haskins showing that, Hey, this is what a quarterback in Ryan day's system can do. Right. This and is what, what we a quarterback expect them in. to do. Right? Yeah. Right. This is, this is the new standard. Um, and, and his story, you know, the Haskins story is one 
that I think you love as an Ohio state fan, his career at Ohio state, because you have this video of this 11 year old kid mm-hmm. coming to the Woody Hayes athletic center and declaring he would be an Ohio state quarterback growing up. Like that, that was so powerful seeing this kid call his shot. And then, you know, a decade later coming off the bench to beat Michigan. Right. That's, that's the other thing too. I mean, that that's when I, I think I was all in on the dude, frankly, cause that was, that was some wild stuff uh, to go ahead and do that. That's, I mean, and you know, that's, that's happened before in Ohio State history, right? Where a guy has kind of come off the bench in crunch time and, and had to play really well in the game. But anytime you see that, it's just that I'm not a super nostalgic football fan. I don't think, but that's the kind of stuff that gives me shivers. And, and that's when I was all in on the guy. Cause I was like, this guy's, he's going to be special. Uh, yeah. You love it. He comes off the bench. He wins that game. And then a year later, you know, to, to put the exclamation point on it scores six touchdowns and 396 yards to win that one. You know, it was just a, it was just a really fantastic set of wins for him uh, in the most important game of the season, you know, going out with the one of the Rose bowl that you mentioned earlier, I, I mean, really checked off all the boxes that you would want to check off as, as an Ohio state quarterback, great record against Michigan. Uh, some, so, you know, an epic cor- an epic comeback versus Penn state, you know, uh, nearly 500 yards. It still takes me off. He didn't get the 500th yard oh, yeah, in the big 10 championship. Game, I'm still, yeah. You know, I'm also mad about that. A little, little salty about that yet. Uh, and, and so now, you have to, you know, you have to speak about this as, as history instead of mm. potential, because I think a lot of us were hoping to see that he was in, he was in a great situation in Pittsburgh, um, you know, went from a tremendously dysfunctional franchise in, in Washington to probably the best run franchise in the country in Pittsburgh, uh, right. you know, Mike Tomlin and notoriously, um, player coach, you know, type of guy, which I think was something that Haskins needed and could have thrived under. And his Pittsburgh teammates really were, were singing his praises. Would he, would he have become the guy this year? I, I don't know. I don't know, but I think he had every opportunity to, to right. really make something of himself in that system. And now we won't know. Now we'll never know what had happened. Ohio state, uh, as a program, um, talked this week about leaning on each other after his death. How, how do you think this sort of thing affects the players in the program? You know, there's been a few years since he was in, in the Woody Hayes athletic center. Um, what, what does this, what does this mean to the kids still in the locker room and the staff there trying to lead them as they finish up spring ball? I mean, I'm sure it's tough, but I, I will also say that I think that if there is a program that's equipped to kind of handle this and, you know, work through it and, and deal with it. I think it's Ohio state, right? Like they've got a guy, they have a head coach who's very aware of the kind of toll that kind of loss can take on somebody. And I'm just, I'm glad, honestly, I'm glad that they have people in that position who are aware of, um, you know, what needs to be done to try to help people out who are going through that kind of grief and that kind of struggle, because it's, it's hard. And um, I, you know, they've got really good leadership over there as well. So I'm, I'm sure it's difficult. I'm sure it's extremely difficult, but um, I I'm also sure that they've got the people in place to make sure that the team can navigate uh, that, that loss. Cause it's hard. Even if a person hasn't been on the team, they haven't been around necessarily. That, that's still really hard. Um, but I'm glad Ryan day and company are there to, to help guide them through it. And coach day said this week during his press conference, as I mentioned, spring ball, uh, you know, in the final days here and, and the program will honor Haskins at the spring game Saturday. So they're still figuring out what that will look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there is the, and I guess tonight, as of this being published, so Tuesday night, uh, they're going to do the vigil, I think at Ohio stadium, I believe, um, something to, to consider there. If you want to, um, you know, express your, your feelings about the situation and, and what Haskins meant to you, there's an opportunity to, to do so, uh, tragic situation, Dwayne Haskins dead at 24, hard to move on from that and talk about something as as trivial as the game of football uh, but we will we will soldier on and do so uh anyway ohio state going through its its final days of spring practice some interesting things coming out this week one that i I thought was really interesting johnny was hearing people talk about the jim Knowles defense you know Mm -hmm. we you and i have said many times to me that's the 
the the storyline of the offseason for Ohio State is the hire of Jim hiring of Jim Knowles as defensive coordinator. And could he turn Ohio State's dumpster fire of a defense into something merely serviceable that could get the team back to the promised land? Uh, and and really interesting hearing not just Nell's players on the defensive side of the ball talk about his scheme and, and what that unit is going to look like, but hearing C.J. Stroud and members of the Ohio State offense talk about it. Some really interesting quotes from the signal caller this week, uh, particularly I'm sure people who were frustrated with last year's Buckeye defense loved this quote. He said, you know, they have different ways to get different coverages, which is really good for me to see, not just seeing cover <laughs> right. one, cover three, or base coverage <laughs> every day. Uh, you know, I don't know if Stroud meant to throw shade at the former defensive brain trust, but hard to read that quote and not be like, my God, what were they doing? Uh, <laughs> well, that's that actually tells me two things. That tells me one thing that CJ Stroud is getting, I think, a lot more comfortable in the quarterback position, which is probably terrifying for anybody else who has to play them or play Ohio State. Cause I, you know, he's CJ Stroud strikes me as a pretty intelligent dude. And um, he's not going to, if there's a, let me put it this way. If there's a defense that's going to show him repeated looks, he's going to be able to take advantage of that. So I like hearing that from CJ Stroud, because that shows to me that he's probably evolving a little bit as a quarterback, which is great. And then Jim Knowles, I mean, I think it would be hard not to improve on the defense schematically i mean it's you know i don't want to read too much into it and say like okay well the defense is fixed now because they know how to like you know <laughs> throw more than one look at a quarterback um but i, I would have to believe that it, they're going to look a lot more uh multiple a lot more aggressive a lot more interesting at least and i really liked so you know earlier uh, griffin had an article on the site about ronnie hickman I, I am very excited to see what Jim Knowles decides to do with this guy. Cause that he, of all the guys that we've kind of looked at, right. And, and of course, you know, you looked at corner with some new blood and we're like, Oh, well, that guy's, you know, Burke's going to be great. Uh, but I really enjoyed watching Ronnie Hickman play. And I think that Knowles has some very fun plans for this guy in the fall. So that's, I kind of mentioned this in, in previous uh, dubcasts, but that's really what I'm looking for. Who are the guys that Jim Knowles is going to be like, these are my dudes that I can rely on. How can I scheme around them to try to get them into places where they can make plays? And I think he's starting to identify some of those dudes right now. And Hickman's definitely one of them. Yeah. Hickman playing in that adjuster free safety role. I love how we get these, you know, the kind of the, <laughs> yeah. The, adjuster. The yeah. Adjuster sounds like the wolf from Pulp Fiction. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, that's right. He was the, was he, was he, the, he was the, the, the cleaner. Is that what they call yeah. him? He was the cleaner. I love that. That one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, yeah. But these, these different names, you know, we had what the, the Viper and the bullet and the, this and the, that and the other thing. So, so I love the idea of the adjuster. Uh, Jim Knowles has been very, open about his praise for Ronnie Hickman talked about him being a, a heads up guy who understands the defense communicates uh, all things that you want in a safety. And so uh, really excited to see him. And, you know, there's a lot of raw talent, I think on that side of the ball, the, the, some question about linebacker recruiting. We've talked about that before, but by and large, I think, I think the Jimmy's and Joe's are there for Niles to be able to execute the, the vanilla basic defense that Ohio state had been running for so long was one that I think required first round draft picks for mm -hmm. it to be uh, a, a good defense. Now you're getting a defense where you have to have really smart defenders to pull it off. Right. They don't necessarily have to be first draft picks, you know, athletically gifted uh, like they just came down from Mount Olympus to get the job done. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's an excellent way to put it um, because I, you know, one of the things that people I think maybe had a knock on last season was like, well, okay, the, the you got to have perfect technique, superior athletes at every position, and then kind of hope they can just run down dudes. And there was, there was no scheming really. It was just like, here's the guys, they're going to have good technique. And then hopefully, you know, that can make up for the fact that they're out of position or anything like that. So I don't, you know, again, I, I, I want to see the team actually on the field before I pro proclaim the defense fixed, but it does feel like there's so much more intentionality right now. Um, and like, uh, that's, that's what you wanted to see. <laughs> like, I, I feel, I feel excited, but I also am like in the back of my head, this is the bare minimum, right? Like, am I, am I crazy? Well, am I, so, like so one of the things I'm 
I'm really interested in because you heard Steel Chambers when he was talking about, you know, again, the, these offensive guys talking about facing the Nell's defense. Sure. Uh, Chambers made the comment. He says, you know, you can tell, and he was talking about the linebackers, I think maybe at the time, he said, you can tell they're confused, you know, because they're mm-hmm. getting, as he put it, a lot of new shit thrown at them. And, <laughs> and you know, I remember... I love the venerable Dick LeBeau, one of, I think, the great Ohio State uh, alumni of all times. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but but the, the knock on his defenses, if you will, was that they were extremely complex defenses, right? So you very rarely had a rookie come into a Dick LeBeau system and just all of a sudden be like plug-and-play rookie oh, no, yeah, type candidate. It, right. it took a few seasons in that system for them to understand what exactly. But when he had those guys – his defenses were tremendously potent, right? So what I wonder about is, is, is the Nels defense, because one of the discussions uh, at the time he was hired, that hiring was announced, was, yeah, he was working with these three-star guys, but they were three-star guys that he had for four and five years mm-hmm. to be able to learn the system. So his Oklahoma State defense that was so potent was a veteran-laden defense. Now, here you're, you're getting talent that he's never had in his entire career. He's going to have, you know, almost all four and five star guys to work with. So they're infinitely more gifted than the, the Jimmy's and Joe's he's had here to four, but he's only going to have them for a couple years compared to the four and five that he's used to. So that's the, that's the right. trade-off that I'm interested in seeing is like, what were they able to pick it up, pick up enough of the system quickly enough, you know, here to be, to be ready to go. I think the answer is probably yes. Like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that, you know, so yeah, I mean, to be a member of Menza to pull it off. Uh, that, it, yes. But. Well, that, and they do have a lot of game experience. I mean, there's a, you know, it's, I don't want to say like a super veteran group, but veteran enough, right. They, they've got a decent amount overall of, of game time. And so it's not like they were taught nothing. And you're not running year. out 11 redshirt freshmen. No, you're not. And you also have a guy and, you know, Tanner McAllister, for example, who I think can come in and, you know, hopefully be a leader and, you know, help people understand what they're looking at. Uh, not probably a, uh, you know, a coincidence that he's one of the first people to have his black stripe removed. I don't think mm-hmm. anybody's shocked by that. Um, so it looks like things are set up well for that to translate. But I, I do agree with you when you've got a guy who's very scheme based and he's got a lot of things that, you know, he, he wants his defense to do. And a lot of these guys, particularly like linebackers and safety need to be more cerebral than that. That does take some time to coach up, but I, I think this is a better situation than trying to completely rebuild a defense. Because as you said, I mean, you've got some next level talent. You just have to get them in the right position to do what they need to do the the time when we will get to see what this looks like a little bit is drawing nine going to get to see some of it uh, at the spring game on saturday now johnny my assumption is we're not going to get to see you know some of the uh the more uh, high-end concepts if you will I yeah think i we, doubt that <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if they're going to roll out you know the cadillac version here we may be right. getting the 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 base version of unlike now's defense but I'm, I'm, I'm curious enough, I guess, to see how much they throw out there for us to see. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it by any stretch of the imagination. How do you feel about spring games in general? Since we're on the subject, there was some discussion uh, among college football types over the past week that, you know, what we really ought to do is just kind of upend the system. And instead of having these glorified scrimmages, we should play some FCS teams in the spring. No. I, I don't actually think that's a thing that will happen. <laughs> Uh, like ever, I think there are about a million reasons why it won't. Right. But how did you feel about that proposal? No, I think it's stupid. I don't, and honestly, I know people are like, well, spring game just isn't as interesting as it used to be. Fine. I don't care. I don't want anybody getting hurt. I really don't. And and I remember going, you know, in college to some of these spring games. I'm like, this is, Trestle wanted full on tack. He was like, I don't care. Let's go, which is fine. But like, you know, somebody tears an ACL. I'm, I'm sorry. It, I understand that people want like a show, but we can, we can still do that. I think they can still have like fun, you know, like punt pass and kick competitions, that kind of stuff uh, that they used to have, you know, that bring out, you know, alumni to come in and do goofy stuff. That's all fun. And it can be part of the pageantry, but as far as the actual, like just make it a glorified practice. I don't care. It's just a fun day at the shoe. I'm not in it for like any serious analysis of, you know, how healthy the, you know x and y competitions are i don't care about any of that so yeah i i'm fine with it being just you know a a warmed over regular practice that has extra stuff in it 
Um, because I think, you know, you look at this team and you're like, man, if, if I want to compete for national champion, I don't want a guy, you know, breaking a leg or something in the middle of a, you know, a stupid televised practice. So yeah, I don't know, man. I, it, I agree that it was probably more fun when guys were hitting each other, you know, and like running, you know, actually playing tackle football. But uh, I, I just think the risk is too high for basically zero reward. Yeah. The trade-off there is definitely significant. I, I, I like the idea of you know, playing the FCS in, in part of this proposal, uh, as it were. And again, when I say proposal, I mean, people talking about this on Twitter, <laughs> not sure. Not right, as though yeah. it we're a serious, uh, policy initiative right. advanced by anyone who actually has any, uh, input on the subject whatsoever. The, the part of it that I did like was the idea that, Hey, you know, uh, teams in the sec stop playing FCS teams, you know, on chicken Chip Saturday, <laughs> right. uh, and everybody think about playing these, you know, I, what I, what I'm unclear on is this would be like a one-off, like Ohio state's going to play one FCS team in the spring. Um, uh, or like the idea was we're going to create a little mini spring season, but they're, uh, yeah, the, the reasons against it. Um, I like the idea of it more than than stands strict scrutiny. It's one of those mm-hmm. things that when you hear it on social media, you're like, oh yeah, we should totally do that. And then after you spend about 38 seconds thinking about it, you're like, eh, maybe not. That's a terrible idea. And maybe actually, FCS in general should just like they should have their entire season in the spring and early summer. Honestly, like what? what why not? Wow. Give them a little that's more attention. Uh... That that's that's really throwing a take out there. I'm just saying yeah. it might, you know, if it's I'm not all saying about... it's a bad take. Not, not, <laughs> not a bad take. If it's all about if it's all about getting eyes and you know on the football teams, then shoot, like let them do their thing in the spring while everybody else is not watching baseball. So that's fine. Right on. <laughs> uh, let's talk about basketball a bit, shall we? Justice suing was the big news of the week. Uh Yay. In hoops. Man announced he after making sort of an ambiguous comment uh, to the national press about that no decisions had been made uh, about where he would return, but announced he would be coming back to Ohio state for the 2022, 23 season talking about, uh, you know, crisis narrowly averted had just assuming left uh, through the transfer portal or wherever else he might've gone. Uh, that would have been very, very bad for Ohio state, a team that's already, yeah losing its top two scorers a top three really you can include Kyle Young in that uh to the draft and or just you know eligibility being exhausted so having the veteran forward back uh is is huge for sure big 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 do you think he was do you think he was considering going elsewhere uh based on that sort of one vague statement to the the press or or do you think um that that was just a weird quote that got out there into the ether that make us all feel weird for a few days. Uh, you know, I don't think he would have like a big statement on Twitter if he didn't at least think about it. You know what I mean? Like he probably was like, what are you guys talking about? And then maybe just moved on. But I, I think he probably thought about it and, and saw maybe a look around and see, you know, what he could have gone to or done. But yeah, man, I <laughs> Chris Holman would have been utterly screwed without Justice Suing. And he still may be utterly screwed, but like double utterly screwed without Justice Suing uh, in the roster. Um, because then you really don't have any offense. And um at least that that you know of right like hopefully you know you can you can bring in some of those freshmen and coach them up but uh you've got to have some kind of you know veteran leadership on the team and uh you know zay key's great and i you know i love some of these other guys but uh you need to just assuming back so that was huge that was that was really really big yeah the 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 rest of uh the the story will be who else uh, joins the team? You know, that's the, that's going to be really interesting to see who else can come in via the transfer portal. Lots of questions about how available suing will be certainly um, given that he missed all, but I think two games this season due to that abdominal injury. Uh, but I'm, I'm really curious to see who else um, can come in to mm-hmm. Ohio state via uh, certainly getting Tanner Holden in will, will be a good get. Um, but there, and, and it's a, it's a big freshman class as we talked about here a week or so ago. Sure. There's a, there's a lot to, to me that can be done yet via the portal. How many of those names actually show up at Ohio state or not remains to be seen. We'll keep an eye on it and talk about it in uh, future episodes of the dubcast before we go into some other basketball news. Let's 
turn our attention to the favorite uh, segment of the program all loyal listeners ask us anything <laughs> and as all loyal listeners know this uh, segment and the dubcast in its entirety is brought to you by the dry goods store at 11warriors.com where you'll find hats t-shirts stickers all sorts of paraphernalia for the discerning fan of sports the ohio state university the dubcast and all the finer things in life you'll find it at drygoods.11warriors.com johnny my friend what have we in the mailbag this week well we want to remind you that the uh, ask us anything. So if you want to send us the questions, the ask us anything mailbag, it's dubcast at 11 warriors.com. And let's go ahead and start off with our uh, good friend, Josh here, not our good friend, Alvin. Alvin's Alvin's coming up. Uh, let's start off with Josh who wants to know what would be the one pest insect rodent or otherwise that you could Thanos snap out of existence, not considering any ecological consequences. <laughs> Bindweed what bindweed bindweed i don't i'm I'm not familiar i'm going i'm going to go with a a plantological pest instead of one with legs and uh you know grabbers and claws and things so in our own house out in reynoldsburg we had that we had lovely landscaping these great great big you know stone lined flower beds uh, and there was this plant um i'd have to look up and see what the actual um what the actual like genus species name of it is but but I've always just heard it called bindweed, but it's this little viney type stuff. It would come up in, and it's a very kind of spindly um, vine, really, really thin. And, and oh, okay. I think I know what you're talking tendril, about. These little tendrils that will then, it will bind itself around any of your other plants in the flower bed. So it would go up like we had these fire, brush, fire bushes. It would, you know, crawl up through those. We'd have day lilies, you know, kind of uh, bordering the the flower beds it would it would wind its way up through those and then in the bearer patches of where you just had kind of expanses of of bare mulch you know it would really pro- proliferate there and and the problem is this is one of these plants that sends out run, runners underneath the ground so you can be going through and pulling the stuff up by the roots but guess mm-hmm. what there are more roots and runners right. going under the ground so you never really got it all and then the the the, the godforsaken stuff when it touches the ground, it was sort of air root, you know, and, and start a new set of runners there wherever <laughs> it lands. So, so it was like, you know, the seven headed Hydra, you'd cut off one and two more would appear sort of right. thing. Um, and, and, and one of the challenges was because it would be running under the ground and like going out into our grass, you might try to get it with something like a glyphosate, but, but because it's rooted into your grass or it's bound itself around your other plants, like, especially something like a daylily that, you know, we had some very nice, big profuse daylilies. Well, mm-hmm. you can't just blanket up a blanket, apply a glyphosate or something along those lines to kill Cause you're going to kill all your other plants. So a uh, really frustrating weed to try to control one of those that, um, you know, Actually, it was one of the best parts of moving as much as we loved our, our house and our neighbors and our neighborhood, not having that godforsaken plant in my flower beds any longer, uh, was almost recent enough to go through the hell of moving. So right, there's, enough. there's my answer. Didn't even have to think about it. <laughs> no, I mean, it's there. I mean, trying to semi maintain a lawn as I do, which again, I'm, I'm putting the bare minimum into keeping the grass and other things around my lawn alive uh there i can understand the frustration it's definitely it's understandable and i'm in that phase of life now where you know i think when you're i think when you're first a new homeowner you know you're you're a young adult you you have a real job and a mortgage and responsibilities i i really got into the lawn care and landscaping thing like i felt like that was you know one of my jobs if you will uh, mm-hmm. around the castle and that was that was something i took very seriously um i we lived in the neighborhood at the time i always love telling the story of of frank the marine so so frank down the street retired marine um wonderful neighbor loved loved living next to frank it had some great stories he and his wife were wonderful wonderful people but frank because he was retired and because he was a marine <laughs> he was sent out in his little camp chair on a little stool out uh, in his yard and be he'd have a cigarette in one hand and and his sprinkler hose in the other hand and he's hand watering the lawn <laughs> and he would mow literally every other day i mean it was oh almost like dad dad would tell the story about a guy there was a guy named jack beam dad farmed with jack when dad was a young man jack um, had been in the service in korea and when he'd come back he had this barber that 
you had a standing appointment at the barber like every two or three weeks. And so let's say that your appointment was like Tuesday at noon. And if you missed, you know, like let's say every third Tuesday at noon, and if you missed your appointment, you weren't coming back until the next <laughs> right yeah, third exactly. Tuesday at noon. Like, right. sorry, you missed your appointment. So, so one time Jack missed his appointment and, and Ted said something about it. And Jack's like, Oh God, my hair's getting in my eyes. Now, mind you, you know, Jack had it high and tight, just like he'd come out of the service. I think his entire life, his hair had never been near his eyes. Right. But that was Jack's response. Was like, Oh God, my hair's getting in my eyes. That was Frank's lawn. Like Frank's lawn got a haircut every two or three <laughs> days all summer long. It was immaculate. Like not quite putting green because he didn't want to cut it that short. Sure. That yeah. consistent, right? Like we're talking fairway consistency here. That's wild. Out there watering every and like trying to keep up with Frank was, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's impossible. There's nothing. Yeah, it's, you can't it's impossible, but by God, I wanted to try because it looked amazing. Well, and now now I'm sort of in that trough in life where I'm not old enough. Uh, to be retired sitting out in the lawn with a cigarette and a garden hose <laughs> so i'm sort of in the in-between period where i'm like eh, they're not going to call code enforcement on me yet so we're probably yeah. good <laughs> yeah i'm not i don't know man my neighborhood is is definitely not in you know we're, i'm not in danger of that ever happening so i'm not too worried about that i mean my i've got a gravel driveway you know what i mean like i'm not i'm not too worried about it uh but i don't i will say i'm, I'm thinking about like I don't know. I could be a huge D bag right now. And like, you know, I want to get rid of malaria. So hundreds of thousands, millions of people don't die. Andy, maybe you should care about that. I'm not going to say that. Whoops. <laughs> I'm going to say that. <laughs> you had the opportunity to end all mosquito borne diseases and you cared Ooh. about your stupid vine. We no, I'm well, not going to do that. That might've been a good, I one. won't put that on you. I won't let's, let's, let's say that eliminate won't eliminate the diseases. I don't want to go that far, <laughs> but I, I do think I'm trying to think of like, I like ants, but we get ants in our house. Like I like the, I like, I just like the concept of ants. I don't know. I just think they're cool animals. Um, but yeah, they get in our house and it's disgusting. So I don't like that, but I don't think that would be like the one I eliminate. Um, I'm trying to, I guess I'm just trying to think of the stuff that like personally impacts me and annoys me. The skunks, that's the thing though. They're adorable, right? Like they're, and if they're descent, you know what I mean? People can keep them as pets, but they're just, uh, I don't know why there's so many in our neighborhood. They just create this ungodly smell every spring and like the smallest thing sets these idiots off. They can't see anything. They can barely hear. Like there's dumb animals and they go off at the slightest provocation. So I don't know. I would say let's just let's say like biting biting flies. How about that? Those you know what I'm talking about? The 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 sweat bees, yeah. the kind of flies that come after you and they bite like the black flies. I when I when I went up to Canada with my wife, we did some biking and hiking and stuff. And those things are aggressive and they're mean and they literally bite like through your clothes. They're horrible. So accepting the mosquito, which is my real answer um let's let's get rid of the the black fly flies the, the biting black flies those are those are bad i don't like those yeah the um, mosquitoes would have been a good one i i remember the first time i went to sort of uh to, to the south for any length of time uh was going to a camp in oh i don't remember the name of the college but it was on a college campus in somewhere in suburban atlanta or somewhere in that general vicinity mm -hmm. and the, i remember the lady who was organizing like all the logistics for the camp uh the first time she mentioned the mosquitoes you know she's like yeah they wear bib overalls and carry a pitchfork and like that <laughs> that mental image has stuck with they're me, not as bad you know, 30 up years here later. well and, and i say up here because this doesn't mean that they get progressively better the further north you go because that's certainly not the case right like you you know you go to some places in the north and the mosquitoes are just god awful but in ohio in general i don't think they're that bad um I think maybe in the future they will become that bad as climate change you know warms this area up uh and we get more moisture but um for now they're okay but it, you know ask me in 10 15 years or so and i might you know we might be making the same kind of crazy big mosquito jokes as everybody else does in the south i think um but yeah they're bad uh next question here this is from our good friend alvin who wants to know simply who is your favorite stand-up comedian andy Wow. That's a really, that's a really, really good one. Uh, and, and I've seen some really good ones over the years, you know, mm -hmm. 
I'm, I'm tempted to go old school and say like Eddie Murphy, because he just, I always thought was hilarious, but I never saw Eddie Murphy in person. So I'm, I'm loath to, to say that once I've seen in person that I really enjoyed, you know, Gabriel Iglesias was great. Uh, uh, Ron white, Ron white was probably one of my favorites. That dude, mm-hmm. was, that dude was a trip, um, highly inappropriate humor. Um, <laughs> but, but very, where Gabriel Iglesias is more, I don't know if I'd say family friendly, but Ron White just goes right there. It's not. Oh yeah, he yeah, doesn't. Yeah, you, yeah, you know, it's just right over, right, right over. Right. Bill, Bill, Eng, Bill Engvall. I kind of went on a kick there. I was one of the blue collar comedy tour guys. So, sure. Um, I don't think I ever saw Larry the Cable Guy or Jeff Foxworthy um, in real life, but I know I saw Ron White here in Columbus and uh, and Bill Engvall both. Really enjoyed both of those. Jeff Dunham and Walter that really enjoyed their shows live. I've seen him a couple times. Um, thought he was really really good. It's it's been a few years if I'm being honest since i saw a comedy show live uh even before the rona it had been a couple um we kind of were on a kick where we were seeing mostly music acts live instead of Mm -hmm. uh, comedy but i've seen some really good ones i don't know if i have like an out and out yeah i do yeah i do actually actually the 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 greatest comedian of all time yep here we go uh and i did get (laughs) to see him live robin williams uh that night that would be cool that would have been amazing to see robin williams live Holy not crap. only live but we spiffed for the backstage meet and greet and wow so there there is a picture of me uh and and dad uh backstage with robin williams i i that's don't, sick that's awesome I, that, that was some real adult money that i and normally i kind of like chuckle at celebrity meet and greet things like oh sure um, because i've done a number of them over the years and it's you know you line up 20 people backstage and the act walks by and is like, hey, how you doing? Hi, hi, how you right, doing? Right, hey, right, hi, right. And it's generally just very perfunctory. And, I, you know, the first couple of times I'm like, oh, my God, I met whoever it was. And then after sure. that, you're like, eh, that really wasn't worth 200 bucks or whatever. It right. was, you know, whatever stupid amount of money it was. Um, Robin Williams, it really was because you just felt like I'm in the presence of greatness. You're in the presence of a genius. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, he was he was fantastic. That's cool. Uh, bar, uh, yeah, I think bar none the and I don't have any like great story like you know Robin Williams didn't make a funny joke at my expense or anything you know, like it wasn't anything it was like we literally just lined up and got the picture uh but I just I can't say enough about how brilliant and maybe it's because I grew up watching Mork and Mindy mm-hmm. uh you know I think Aladdin is probably the greatest Disney film ever like I just that dude was everything he did uh he's a genius he's yeah a genius. i mean he gave he gave a you know a ten thousand percent in every single role they did and like i i don't like a lot of the stuff that he did like the you know the more maudlin drama stuff but like he no he could do I mean, it the but guy, he could do it he could do just he really could anything. he really could yeah absolutely like he you know you're right he could th- he would throw himself into any role drama whatever and and he could make it work and unfortunately sometimes he chose some really ridiculous projects but like he just i don't know i i always admired the fact that he was just going at like you know a thousand miles per hour in every single role even if it was you know good for <laughs> a guy can do goodwill hunting and also be genie and aladdin it just that kind of talent blows my mind somebody who's capable of that yeah um because he really was i i agree with you man he was he was definitely a, a genius um i will say so it, it really changes for me what i find really interesting is how because I used to be super into stand-up comedy. I'm not as into it as I used to be, but I used to like really, really get into it and watch a ton of it. Um, Cause it's a really interesting art form and it's got a really interesting history too, right? Like how it's evolved over the years and you're starting, you know, all the way back to like vaudeville and borscht belt and all that stuff in the 1920s and thirties. And then like how it evolved through radio and just there, there's so many interesting facets to the history of stand-up and how it was created um but i one thing that i always find interesting is how like stand-up comedians are almost like professional athletes in a way and that they they have a prime you know what i mean like they can be really good for a certain period of time and then they fall off a little bit right they've done comedy or jokes for so long that uh, maybe maybe they're not as sharp as they used to be maybe they're not as good as they used to be for whatever reason right and comedy evolves too, right? That, I think that's the other big thing is that comedy never stands still. And some comedians, I think, acknowledge that and change their material and change their approach. And other comedians just want to tell the same jokes forever and get the same laughs. And that only works if you're, you know, talking to the exact same audience for the rest of your life, which some people do, right? Um, but I, I, at Ohio State, I was able to see a lot 
of comedians, a lot of legendary stand-up comedians. And this is when I think the OUAB, uh, Ohio Union Activities Board, was putting in a ton of effort and time into getting some of these huge names. I saw Dave Chappelle in concert. Oh, he wow, yeah. annihilated. And this is during like the Chappelle show years, right? Where I think Dave Chappelle, I'm not getting to that whole thing, but I think he's fallen off a cliff, a pretty substantial cliff, frankly. Um, and not that I don't think he's funny necessarily or isn't capable of it. Although again, I'm not going <laughs> to how I feel about his views, but in general, the sharpness isn't there. That's what I mean by like athletes and stuff like it, the, the timing, the quickness, the construction of jokes, it's different. And so I saw him, I think where I would consider to be his prime and the dude just annihilated. Like he was unbelievably good. I saw Chris rock around the same time. Uh, again, a guy at the top of his game, unslapped invincible, right? Like this guy, I don't, I really think, I don't think he would be my favorite of all time, but I know I've never laughed as hard or as like painfully <laughs> as I did when I saw Chris Rock in concert. Like I, I don't, I hate using this expression because I don't actually do it, but I literally was laughing so hard until I was crying yeah. um, at, at his concert when I, when I went to go see him live. That was unbelievable. I saw Wanda Sykes. Um, oh, wow. I saw Lewis Black. Um, you know, these, these guys are, I mean, even those guys are really, really high up on the you know the tiers of, of yeah. comedians wanda sykes is actually very good i don't i don't think people really know how good she is as she's really she's funny. done a lot of yeah well she's done a lot of like acting and stuff and people are like okay well she's maybe just a you know comedic actor but her stand-up is unbelievable live um lewis black was great i mean lewis black that guy i mean just ability to channel rage yeah just, you know and that's why he was inside out obviously I, it was so good i mean has there ever <laughs> been a bad, I was, that's what i was saying has there ever been a better job no, of casting it, done than yeah the... genius casting on their part um so i like i said and I'm, I'm sure i'm missing a ton uh i got to see flight of the concords you know and they're not necessarily stand up but it's it's kind of along the same lines i saw dimitri martin he was great um but i think you know at all time if i'm thinking about the output of a comedian and, and I'm not going to say like currently, because I don't, again, he's one of those guys who I think has fallen off a little bit, but in terms of total output that I've enjoyed the most, I think Patton Oswalt is probably the guy where I'm like, he had like maybe three or four albums in a row where I'm like, this is just as funny as I've ever heard any kind of stand-up comedy. And just his style is something that I really, really, really like. It's verbose and like self-deprecating but also really smart. And I, I really enjoyed that, that style. And so he has got, like I said, like three or four albums in a row where I'm just like, this is like a plus, 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 plus material. Um, but in terms of longevity, a guy like Jim Gaffigan, I don't think he's ever not been hilarious. Like he's that funny, guy, yeah. that dude is like, you know, the Barry Bond, like he, he just hits right. <laughs> like, and has done so for 25, however long he's been in the game. That guy just is not, ever not funny um so i think in terms of longevity like i'll always enjoy a jim gaffigan album and a joke that he made like he's just he's just naturally a hilarious dude but in terms of like ultimate height for comedians um i think i gotta go with Patton oswalt but on the other hand i mean you look at some of this stuff like i said the history of stand-up comedy is is fantastic i mean you know you <laughs> i know that comedy changes but some of these guys are just always going to be funny like richard pryor dude like us like he created the comedic timing that comedians have right yeah. him and red fox and some of those other dudes in this you know, late 60s early 70s created modern stand-up comedy and so you can watch some of that stuff that they did on youtube right 50 60 years ago and it's still hilarious because you get the language of the comedy that they're doing and i i just i don't know i love that i love seeing that so it's interesting yeah, I, to go back and watch some of those. Like I mentioned Eddie Murphy, you know, one night we were flipping through, you know, the 900 cable channels and like HBO was playing raw and mm -hmm. I'm like, you were watching it and there's so many of the jokes you're like, Oh my God, you can't do that bit today. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's interesting to see like R Richard Pryor, George Carlin, like some of these guys that are just Titans. Um, right. Um, you know how well does the material hold up today i'm i'm now gonna have to like go watch brewster's millions uh, <laughs> and some of it doesn't like some of the material does not hold up right it's it's not that interesting anymore it doesn't have the same you know impact um but maybe it, it's 
you but know, some of it still does. There's, the, the, you know, and, and I mean, you you were talking about um, albums that, that that you you know comedy albums that you really liked. Some of the best comedy albums I've ever listened to, Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's it's impolitic to say now because of of how his um, career ended and and the things well he, and what he was doing while he was making it, yes albums. yeah right yes that's what i that's what it's I mean. not you know it's, what i mean it's, it's not but, like it's just he just happened to start doing that at the end of his career the correct guy, right like, right so it's you know you, you sort of like but but if you if you separate the art from the artist if you will uh which mm-hmm. I, I mean that's a whole philosophical discussion in and of itself um but you know before all of that news work like i never listened to he was just the jello guy slash you know dr huxtable like i grew up with him in that vein um and when my wife and i started traveling together and we'd be on long car trips she had four or five of his cds um that you know she'd grown up listening to with her dad and we popped those and listened to her like oh my god some of this stuff's so funny now some of it's very like andy griffith comedy you know it's it's, you know that no the kind of comedy that doesn't play you know you don't play those shows today um but like i'd never heard it before i'm like oh my god some of this is so funny uh and and there again you know some of it was a a product of the times and and whatnot but yeah the evolution to what you're saying the evolution of comedy um and who the you know trail break trailblazers and and pioneers were in each era and generation and genre of comedy uh and and it's hard to stay on top of the game like as you were talking about it's really hard you're talking about Chappelle and and you know is he is he funny today versus is he funny when you and I were undergraduates uh in the Chappelle show and, and all that I was thinking about like I was talking about the blue collar guys I was just curious like I haven't heard Jeff Foxworthy's name in ages <laughs> and so I was like is he still out there doing it what's he doing and I was just googling as we were talking um and this is funny like his current tour um is like casino 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 right park uh laughlin nevada which i assume is also a casino even though uh-huh. the thing doesn't say casino uh he's doing the lucille ball comedy festival in jamestown new york okay a county fair within jackson um jackson michigan oddly enough i don't know it was jackson michigan uh another casino and a resort that i assume is also a casino so you know the <laughs> i wouldn't even bother if i was him i'm sure he's got 12 trillion dollars i don't know why he doesn't because not like... only not only were you, had you had all those years of successful stand-up but the tv deals right like that's oh, sure. where yeah. the real adult money came from was the tv he had, his, he had his own show that yeah, was in for, for a long yeah, time I, come on yeah so um, so yeah, will, very hard to stay on top of that business here's the last thing i'll say about that because people get very defensive about comedy and, and comedians and things like that because i i really do believe that and comedians do this too where it's like well i was funny once so i'm going to be funny forever I'm like no sensibilities change you know tastes change you, you kind of have to accept that but i it's not even on i can't find it on like youtube or anything like that but hannibal burris taking down bill cosby there is a clip of it online it's hard to find uh, and it's like a it's somebody recorded it on their phone at a thing and you can't even see hannibal burris talking about because hannibal burris is really the guy who started restarted the conversation about bill cosby's indiscretions like that was a known thing and you know Hannibal burris is like okay well i'm sick of this guy basically telling me you know how to live my life so i'm gonna you know like hey remember all the stuff you were accused of yeah. um and that to me is what really like Comedy is supposed to really challenge people. And it bothers me sometimes when comedians who have had a lot of success refuse to let people challenge them. You know mm. what I mean? Like, yeah. and that's, and that's what I mean about like evolution and changing and things like that. Like you've got to be willing to kind of stay on top of stuff. And so that's why I appreciate and enjoy the comedians who are constantly willing to like reinvent themselves a little bit, try out new material, take risks, I don't think Jerry Seinfeld is like a hugely incredible comedian, like stand-up guy, you know, in general. I, you know, he he had his moment in the early '90s. Um, the show, I think, is is obviously much more of an impact, but that was more Larry David, right? Like, kind of making that work. Um, but one thing that Jerry Seinfeld did that I thought was really interesting is after the show was over, he went on tour and he basically burned all of his old material. He ripped it up. He just he said, "I'm not doing this," and and I'm just going to completely trash everything I've done and start totally over with just basic raw material that I'm just making up myself as I go. Mm-hmm. And that's really, and that's the kind of stuff that I love about comedy because it really is about spontaneity and taking risks and things like that. And it, it was covered. I think there was a documentary made about it, like called comedian or something like that. 
And it's just a really fascinating process to watch. So I don't know. Stand-up's a really cool thing. And I'm glad, Alvin, that you asked that question because it's it's something I go on for hours. It's it's just a fascinating art form. Um, and it's hard. It's hard as hell. Uh, shout out to uh, to Tim Chitters um, <laughs> and his sidekick, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> his sidekick, uh, Kevin, uh, out there doing the open mics. That has to be one of the hardest things. I think, you know, I was going out and I had a, uh, an acquaintance through some media stuff I'd done 15 years ago who was trying to break into stand up and was just going out and doing open mic nights. I'm like, my gosh, that takes a set of big brass. Oh my God. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Miss me with that. I couldn't do it. No, thanks. All right. Good set of questions this week. Let's uh, wrap this thing up with a couple bits of, of, uh, odds and ends, uh, some characters in Ohio state's extended orbit, Michigan head coach, Joan Howard, uh, in the news this week, mm. expected to be a candidate for the Los Angeles Lakers job. Now we have to say, uh, it's really up to one man and that being LeBron James, yeah. Yeah, but let's, right. let's, let's presume that uh, LeBron is at least interested. Uh, how, how, how funny will this be if after Michigan, uh, stood by their man when he's out there decking, uh, opposing coaches, uh, if Howard's like, ah, peace out homies. I'm, I'm, I'm heading to the West coast. They would be in a better position than Michigan football would be. And we, we talked about this in Slack a little bit, like they've got, you know, they got some guys waiting in the wings. You can step in and, and take care of that. But uh, that would be very funny. And actually I think the best case scenario here would be. Um, so Juwan Howard basically does the whole Harbaugh thing. Right. And just leaves them hanging for, I don't know, however, how long did that Harbaugh thing last? I felt like it went on for about six months. It was weeks. Like it, it, was it wasn't something that was just, time. it was a long time. Uh, so yeah, I, my, my hope would be that Juwan Howard goes ahead and just jerks him around forever. Martelli pieces out. Uh, in the meantime, because he's mad about it, and then ultimately, Juwan Howard does leave, and then they, uh, and then they're left with nothing, and that would be the funniest outcome to me. Yeah, absolutely agree. That that is the best possible outcome because I think Howard's crazy enough that him staying is is ideal, but he needs to flirt with this long enough. <laughs> that, yeah, right. To just ruin everything else around yes, him. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is the best possible scenario. And and you know, bilk Michigan out of more money. Yeah. Go go yeah, hopefully that. that that's great. Do that. Yeah. For for sure. I, I personally think that's what the, is the most likely scenario that this is just he's going to do the hardball thing. I, mm-hmm. I think is the most likely scenario uh another one i enjoyed speaking of of villains in ohio state's uh orbit you know somehow with everything going on over the weekend in the news Dabo found a way to uh insert himself Dabo swinney that is the uh, head coach of the clemson tigers a little old clemson found himself in the news again Dabo just just can't stop talking no well you know and it's more about oh football's crazy nowadays and we're gonna have like one big super conference and i don't know whatever my point here's the thing about Dabo. Dabo was all about complaining about change while offering zero solutions to said change and and basically just hoping that everything can revert back to the time when he could funnel his money through like back channels that he didn't really have you know have any real connection with and then kind of dominate you know recruiting and all you know team construction all that other crap this way now that things are changing he's complaining and he's upset about it and he wants to reset the playing field so that clemson doesn't have to like you know worry about all this new nil crap or whatever he the most infuriating thing about davis is not that he's like a horrible person or doesn't care about his players i don't think that's the case i think he does care about his players i think he does care about you know in general about his team you know getting education all that kind of stuff doing what they're supposed to do off the field um but I also think like most other coaches, you know, football coaches, college football coaches, that his big thing is about control and figuring out how he can control the situation. So, you know, I'm sure some people might see his comments and go, oh, this guy just wants to make things, you know, nice and safe for the, the you know, the teens that are under his auspices. No, it's not about that. He, you know, if Dabo says that, like, you know, kids might be taken advantage of, guess what? That's always been the case. Okay. That's always been the case. 
I mean, that's, what he's, of, that's what he's doing in essence. Yeah. And right? so is taking advantage is, of the unpaid youth in exactly, his program. <laughs> exactly. And what I'm saying is that, you know what, if that's something you're so concerned about, then you're in the wrong profession, dude, like, and you're doing the wrong. So how about allow them some autonomy in terms of NIL and transfers and then deal with what that, ha- you know, what that looks like, as opposed to complaining about it and saying that, you know, life was a lot better when he could basically control every aspect of, you know, these young adults lives. Dabo uh, compared his players to baggage handlers. Uh, he's using an analogy of comparing himself and uh, Nick by the way, to the CEO. If he wants to give other teams like recruiting material against him, go for it. He's I don't so care. Good. So good at giving the bulletin board material to others. Uh, he also, I like this one uh, where he basically said he had no intention of using the transfer portal. Um, he said, my transfer portals right there in the locker room because if I'm constantly going out every year and adding guys to the portal i'm telling all those guys in the locker room that i don't believe in them that okay. i don't think they can play sure okay fine you do you dabo keep yeah i i don't want to see you in the college football playoff ever again so that's fine yes i i agree with that let's go with that plan dabo never again in the college playoff i like it i like it and let's leave it with that that's going to be a wrap on this week's edition of the dubcast of course you can uh, find us on all of your various uh, favorite platforms and such do send us your questions to ask us anything next week and we'll soldier on through the off season until then i'm andy i'm johnny thanks for joining us on the 11 dubcast